Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. And that's what this month is all about, church, is, yeah, you finding freedom. And that's why it needs a whole month to be talked about and to be mulled over because there's even people in the room today and you've been holding on to stuff for 20 or 30 years. When you let it go, everything changes. And so my encouragement to you is don't miss a service. Lean in. Don't lean away. Lean into the unknown, lean into the pain, lean into the, the hurt, you'll find that as you lean into that place, freedom is found. It's what God so wonderfully does. And uh, you know this new F word, many of you are carrying all sorts of F words over your life. I'm a failure, I'm flawed, I'm fake. God wants you to know you're forgiven. Once you know you've got a future, once you know he wants to set you free, you don't have to live with prisoners in your hearts. You don't have to live hoping that person walks in front of your car so you can run them over. It's not a joke. I live with it every day. That's a joke. People are living in our community even in this church, and that is their reality. If I see that person, I'll shoot them. If that person walked in front of my car, I would not swerve. People are living with deep unforgiveness in their hearts, and it's suffocating them. It's drowning them and consuming them. And Jesus Christ did the work that he did on the cross that we would finally have a way to be free of the offenses that we're carrying in our hearts. Up until Jesus Christ, this was how you did it, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I hurt you. Primitive man. You steal, I take back. You hurt, I wound. Jesus came and he said, it's a better way. It's the way of forgiveness. It doesn't calculate in the human psyche, but it calculates in the human heart. That when we allow God's love to be poured into our hearts, it opens this doorway of forgiveness that people get set free. You don't have any control over the person you're holding in unforgiveness. They have the ultimate control over you. They're hurting your heart every day. And um, I'll dismiss the musos because I made them do the miracle mile in the last service. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, five children, and, and uh, our oldest, Oliver, is nearly 15 this month. So I'm encouraged. I'm, for men who have boys, you are just in for a whole world of awesomeness. So uh, what I've found happening in my life, and I was just reflecting over this in the last few days. I didn't know what was happening, but we're getting this um, like combined testosterone thing going on in the house. Like I'm, I'm the alpha, there's no question. And, uh, 
But you know, I've got this teenage boy and I realize there's like this bubbling in the atmosphere of home that's like a bit of chest beating is going on, a bit of like muscle comparison is going on. So on Wednesday morning, I found myself in a place I'd not been for a very, very long time at the gym. <laughs> I was like, damn it, I got to fight for this spot of alpha. No, and uh, up the street with Oliver, my son, and, um, and, I, and I was kind of, I signed up and I, I was laughing to myself, I can't believe I'm, I'm back here, like I swore I'd never come back to a gym, because I knew I was just in for a whole new world of pain, and I was right, like right now I'm, I stand here in pain, I've been two times, <laughs> things like for leaning on. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, we can choose some pain in life, and this was, I've lent into this, and you know, this unforgiveness thing on this forgiveness series is about leaning in to that pain, and there's, it's pain that's going to bring goodness into your life, avoiding it, shying away from it, neglecting it, and, and ignoring it is not going to bring any resolution in your life but as you as you lean in to the pain as you as you lean into that place of hurt as you lean into that place of unforgiveness yes it might hurt and yes it may hurt for a few days it may even hurt for a month or so but you will find what follows that is freedom what follows that is strength what follows that is is newfound life that aside from leaning into it would not be found but as as we all lean into this together and as I went to the gym I was like I know this is going to hurt me but um, I know that the pain is going to be bring forth you know 15 sun beating muscle um, as I as we lean into these places in our hearts that we have locked up the byproduct of it is freedom and uh, Jesus said this when he was teaching his disciples to pray really early on, this is kind of at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first public address to an incredibly large crowd, where, and this is where he said, no longer do I say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. No longer do I say curse your enemies, but instead bless those who curse you. And I say, if someone tells you to go one mile with you, go to If someone asks for your cloak, give them your shirt. Also, Jesus in this address, this public address to the people of Israel who, were, who have lived for thousands of years in this entrenched religious um, law-guided life, which was, you hurt me, I hurt you. You kill me, I kill you. You rob from me, I rob from you. This was the, the world that they had lived in. Jesus turns up before he's hung on the cross, and he says, I'm showing you a new way. And we, by default, fall back in our brokenness to this this primitive man thing, which is like, if, I'm gonna, if you wound me, wound me I'm going to wound you back. And we do it with our words. We don't so much do it with our, our fists anymore. We do a little bit, but most of the time in most relationships, we do it with our tongue. We wound people over and over again, cutting them down with our language. So Jesus addresses them. He gives them this message. And then he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, like he's our Father, we are his family and we are his kids squabbling with, with each other. And he is the parent who is going to help us coexist 
peacefully on earth. He says, Our Father in heaven, we're all in this together. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all know this. Verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. So what Jesus is establishing is this is a daily prayer. This is not a give us this week, our weekly bread. Give us, you know, Lord, bless 2019. Make it work out. Thank you, Jesus. He's establishing and he's saying this is how you should pray. You should pray to God and you should pray to God daily. Every single day you should be seeking God for your daily bread. Now that is your physical sustenance and your external needs. But he's saying, give us, he's saying, give me the strength. Give me, give me strength in my spirit. The, the bread is not just like I need food on the table. The bread is Jesus Christ. Lord, give me the bread that I need to make it through this day. The bread of, you know, peace, the bread of patience. The bread of courage, the bread of boldness, the bread of forgiveness, the bread, you know, that is the fruits of the bread of love, the bread of joy. Give me today the portion that I need to make it through this day. Every day, this is how you should pray. Lord, give me today the portion I need for this day. Jesus, when he spoke about do not worry, he, he once again brought life back down to a daily basis. Do not worry about tomorrow, for each day will have enough worry of its own. But today, seek God. Seek God today. So Jesus is establishing this daily routine in the believer's lives of seeking God for the bread. Not, not bread like you know, bread on the table, but bread for life, bread for sustenance of the spirit and nourishment of the soul. So he says that, give us today our daily bread. And then he goes on, the very next line is forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, give me bread to get through the day. And the very next line that Jesus touches on is the issue of forgiveness or unforgiveness. And that's, this is telling me that this is a daily work in the believer's life. If we're asking for daily bread, there's daily forgiveness that we need to be either receiving or giving. That there's a daily forgiveness for our sins. Yes, we said the sinner's prayer once. You know, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And he has forgiven your sins once and for all. Yes, but there's this, there's this repentance of spirit that the believer should live with and this, this, this beautiful reverence of the sovereignty of God that we should live with that keeps short accounts with our Creator. Every day is new. Every day we should be before God you know, with the Spirit in us, saying, Lord, forgive me. But it, the forgiveness is as I have forgiven others. As I have offered Jesus what I've received in you, I then partake again of what you have given me. And God takes this very seriously, the issue of forgiveness. He said, don't, don't take communion if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. He said, put it down. Stop. Put it down. Walk away. Go and find that person or go, don't even find the person. Go and forgive them in your heart. Draw aside and, and forgive that person and then come back. Because you cannot partake of the blood and the bread that is Jesus Christ that was broken for the forgiveness of your sins while you are harboring unforgiveness in your own heart. You're a walking contradiction. Is it once and for all or is it not? Is it, so this is, God takes unforgiveness or forgiveness 
very seriously in the believer's life. And the fact that we have received this unconditional love and forgiveness from Jesus Christ is the reason we should be offering this unconditional love and forgiveness from ourselves. And I tell you, the person you sleep with is the person you have to forgive the most. Your wife or your husband, the people that you share a house with are the people that this daily bread is for. Lord, give me the daily bread I need to love my wife, to forgive my wife, to forgive my husband, my children. The people that you're the closest to and love the most are the people who are most likely to hurt you the most. Some of us have been have suffered trauma and from total third parties unrelated to our lives that just through, you know, a series of events, our lives have interfered with each other. But most people have been wounded and carry unforgiveness from people they see every single day. And you see it every day and it bugs you every day because you're reminded of it, of it every day. You did that thing. You said that thing. You never... And we can keep this internal score in our spirit, which sucks the life out of us. So we're going on this journey. This is the new F word is forgiveness. And we're going to look at a passage out of Matthew 18 this morning. And it says this, 18 verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Peter's coming to Jesus, and he's a law-abiding Jew following Jesus, the, the Messiah. So he probably thinks he's pitching pretty high to Jesus. He's like, hey, Jesus, shall I give like up to seven times? Like one, it's the holy number, and two, that's pretty generous. Like, that's like, remember, he's like eye for an eye guy, tooth for a tooth. And we know Peter didn't mind a bit of rough and tumble. Like, he, was, he wasn't too shy about just sorting it out on the turf. And, uh, and so he comes to Jesus, and he says, so Jesus, tell me, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Like, we're, going, we're highballing at Jesus up to seven, and Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So Peter is, is, is asking a head question that's a hard issue. Forgiveness or unforgiveness does not reside in your thoughts, it resides in your heart. I don't carry un, like unforgiveness in my head, I carry it in my heart. I don't get wounded in my thoughts. Like, oh, you've wounded my thinking right now. I don't know. I've never had someone say that to me. Like, you may be, oh, that's a, I've never thought, it, thought about it that way. Or, but like to be wounded in your thoughts, no, you get, we get wounded in our hearts. We get offended in our hearts. We get, like, when, when a relationship breaks up, people don't go, my thoughts are broken. Like, I am thought broken. I just can't, no, they say I'm heartbroken. I have no words. I don't even have words to describe the anguish that I'm feeling right now because I am, I'm heartbroken. I, you know, sometimes if you, you say something to your husband or wife that's really poor and they have no response, it's because there's no words for the pain you've just inflicted on them. 
They have no response because there's no response, there's no words to articulate the deep emotion that we feel in our hearts. And Peter's coming, he's saying to Jesus, just give me a figure and I'll, I'll do it. And Jesus is like, the, 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 it's not an issue of intellect, it's an issue of the posture of our heart. And he says to Peter, you have to give 77 times. He was not saying, you know, I'm just upping it by 11 He's like, I'm, he's like, it's like hyperbole. It's like this extreme statement. And some other translations say 70 times 7, which I think is 490. But he's, he's stating that it's impos- there's this impossible measure. There's this impossible um, gap between us and God and, and sometimes between us and other people that can't be fathomed and rationed and reconciled through intellect. It's an issue. Unforgiveness is a deep issue in the human heart. And it's upon receiving the full measure of Christ's forgiveness into our hearts that we are then empowered and enabled to deal with our hurt and then offer unforgiveness to other people. And like Mikhail said, it is not about presenting them with a list saying, hey, good news, I've just forgiven you of all this stuff. That is not unforgiveness. That's rubbing their face in it. And a lot of the time they'll be like, oh, I had no idea. And you're like, what? I was carrying hurt over something you had no idea you did. Yeah, it's often how unforgiveness works. My father wounded me many times. He had no idea. I've dealt with some of it. Seems to keep coming up. But I haven't gone back to him and said, hey, Dad, you know, when I was 10 years old and you told me I was an X, Y, Z when we were, you know, and he'll be like, no. Or remember when? He'll be like, no, remember, no. It's my issue and it's my responsibility to let him go out of the prison that's in my heart. And it's your responsibility and your choice to whether or not you'll let people out of the prison of your heart or whether you'll keep them locked up inside there. So Jesus says this to Peter, and he says, I tell you, he says, therefore, this is what God's kingdom is like. It is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. Like, how's that possible? And then the the master, the servant, and uh, and the master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a servant who comes to his master with an unreconcilable debt. You know what 10,000 worth, 10,000 bags of gold is? It's 33,000 kilos of gold. It's $8 billion worth of debt. Now, how did he get that deep? I don't know, but he was $8 billion in the red in the eyes of his master. 10,000 bags of gold, 20, a bag is worth 20 years salary. In the context of the scripture. So 10,000 times 20 years, if he could live for another 200,000 years and pay back every cent he ever earned, he would be able to reconcile, maybe it was 20,000. Either way, he is faced with an impossible debt to pay. 
And each and every one of us, in the sight of God, are faced with an impossible debt to pay. Our sins before God have made it totally impossible to do relationship with Him. Our sins have cut us off from God. We are so deep in the red, there is nothing we can possibly do to reconcile that which we owe in God's sight. No work of your flesh. Like they said, He's going to sell them to repay the debt. You can't sell enough stuff. You can't work hard enough. You can't try and prove yourself enough to make God happy enough that He will cancel the debt across your life. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ and the work of the cross that we have the redemption of our souls and the forgiveness of our sins. None are righteous, not one, but as we plead, as we hang to the cross, as we are sober-minded and realize how far we have fallen from the perfect life God has intended us to live, it is in that moment of soberity that I have nothing to offer God I have nothing that I could possibly give him that would make any impact on the debt that I owe him. But Jesus Christ. And it is in that moment of sober-mindedness, that moment of repentance, that moment of turning, that moment when the, when the servant fell on his knees and pleaded with the master, I know I can't do this. I know I've realized that I've got myself so far in the hole, so far in the red, that, that the creditors are after me, my past is after me, everything is after me, and I can't pay it back, and I can't make it right, and I can't, I can't reconcile my life. He says it's all forgiven. I cancel the debt. And when we receive Jesus Christ into our heart, that is what, that is what the kingdom of God is like. He canceled your debt. He paid the ransom for your life. The perfect life of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, was shed for the forgiveness and the cleansing of our lives. But that is the starting point of the believer's journey. Salvation is a doorway through to a new house that we live in with Christ Jesus. We need to realize and be sober-minded at, at how perfect God is and how imperfect we are and how in desperate need we are of the daily salvation of Jesus Christ. Not just the once, you know, I said the sinner's prayer once and, and now it's all good. It says this, but when that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins... A silver coin was one day's work. So he owed him a hundred days' work, 16 and a half grand, if you're on the working, the living wage. He grabbed them and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Man, how familiar is this scenario? Choking him. Demanding, pay me back. Be patient with the, he replied, and I will pay you back. But he refused, and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This, this is what unforgiveness does. 
You put someone in prison expecting them to pay your debt. You lock them up in your heart and, say, and then say, now pay me back. And until you pay me back, I'm going to keep you locked up in this prison of unforgiveness. I'm going to keep punishing you. I'm going to keep tormenting you. I'm not going to let you go until you somehow have paid me back the debt that you owe me. Now, how is a person locked in prison meant to pay back a debt? How is a person taken out of the workforce, locked up in prison, meant to pay back a man's debt? It is an impossible scenario, and unforgiveness is an impossible scenario to live in. It is only through releasing people that have wounded us, releasing people that have wronged us, and it's not saying it was right. It's not saying it was okay. It's not agreeing with the action or the wrong, but it's saying I no longer choose to hold you as a prisoner in my heart and as the, as the, as the crafter of my future. Forgiveness says I choose in Jesus' name to let you go. You have wronged me. These people knew what they were being wrong. One was owed 10,000 bags of gold. He knew what he was owed. The other was owed 100 silver coins. He knew what he was owed. And there's, owed. And there's people in this room and, and you're, owed, you're owed your purity, but someone stole it. You're owed even finances, but someone stole it. You're owed, you're owed peace, but someone stole it. You're, you're owed, you know, a, a, a family that's together, but for one reason or another, it's fallen apart. But the person who, who did that cannot pay you back. They cannot give back to you what they've stolen from you. But you can set yourself free as you choose the posture of forgiveness in your heart. That I choose to set you free or I choose to begin the journey of opening that cage in my heart that is keeping uh, someone prisoner from our past. And we choose to let them go. It says, when the other servants saw what had happened, when they saw the unforgiveness in this man's heart, they were outraged. And they went and told the master, like the top dog, everything that had happened. The master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Just as God has had mercy on us, just as God has poured out unfavored forgiveness on us, just as He's opened the windows of heaven over our lives personally, who are we to not open it over other people's lives? Who are we to hold on to forgiveness and not release it and let people free in our lives? And the Master says, you know, why didn't you have mercy on Him? I just canceled $8 billion on your account and this guy owes you a hundred silver coins. Like no one's offended you more than you've offended God. That's the truth of the equation. No one has offended me more than I've offended God personally. Because He sees every flaw in my life, every, you know, unclean thought in my heart, every, you know, out of turn word that I've He sees it all over my life. No one's offended me more than I've offended God. And no one's forgiven me more than God has forgiven me. So I need to freely give what God has given me. Day, give me today my daily bread. I'm not trying to make it sound easier than it is, it is because it's hard. And that's why it's daily bread, daily courage, daily boldness. 
In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he was owed. Unforgiveness tortures you. It locks you up. It binds you up. When you don't let other people go, you're the one who's in torment. This man did not let his debtor go, and he was the one who ended up tortured. Isn't that a funny old thing? He didn't forgive, and he ended up tortured, in torment, in turmoil, unforgiveness. You can't compartmentalize it. You lock up someone else, you end up locked up yourself. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters. And he goes right back to the, Peter quest, the question Peter asked, forgive them from your heart. It's a state of the heart. It's not a state of the mind, state of intelligence, keeping score. It's our heart towards people. It's our heart towards God to receive what He's given us, and it's our heart towards others to give what we have received from Him. So you could be like, well, I just forgive everyone that ever hurt me, and I'm just going to, from now on, just, I, just, I forgive everyone. And I throw out the, the net of for, forgiveness, and it lands everywhere and hits nothing. It's not about just doing that well. Well, in that case, then I just forgive, forgive everyone who ever did anything. And no, there'll be people specific. If you shut your eyes right now and I ask you, I guarantee people will pop into your mind of the account that you're holding, of what they owe you. Husbands and wives, business partners, authority figures, church leaders, pastors. It's not your stuff to carry. Let it go. Freely, we've received this forgiveness. Shouldn't you have had mercy just on your fellow servant as Christ has had mercy on us? Take time this afternoon to pray about it, to let people go, to unlock that door. Tell your life will totally transform. Your relationships will transform in the atmosphere of forgiveness. Where you don't owe me anything, I'm good. Even between husbands and wives, this afternoon, wipe the slate clean. Honestly, from today, with your husband and wife, Sarah, I wipe the slate clean. Go home, sit down, have lunch, say, you know, we've probably done some gnarly stuff and said some things, but today, we're... I forgive you. I'm wiping the slate clean. Don't bring up the list. Oh, this is what I prepared something earlier. <laughs> Don't do that. Throw out the dredge, you just pull up old bones. And if there's maybe some things you need to get help with to talk through, do it. Oh, your marriage is the most valuable thing you have. You have not you're committed to nothing else for lifetime other than your marriage. You're not committed to your career for life your business for life. You're not even committed to your children for life, really. They'll grow up and they'll be responsible for themselves. But your husband and wife, you made a vow for better or worse. Death do we part. We're in this to the limit, baby, the whole way through. Let's just clear the decks. 
But uh, it's why we're doing this for a month. It's big stuff. But it's good stuff because it will set you free. Let me pray for you. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.